Uh, right, hello everybody and welcome to today's podcast. It's the 23rd of March 2020 uh, and today's podcast is all about the government's taking action to rescue uh, the global economy really and uh, it's all pretty frantic out there isn't it and we're going to be going through all those details talking about central banks what's going on um, and I'm here with Jerry Miller our resident expert so Jerry hello to you yeah hello uh, hello to all so um, Jerry why don't you tell us what on earth is happening uh, well, uh, significant moves overnight again. Um, you'd think we'd sort of look at the way the markets behaved on Friday. Uh, you sort of think that the, perhaps uh, things were calming down a little bit, but no such chance. Uh, Far East markets and Australian markets got hit uh, overnight as the US failed to agree on this rescue package. Uh, it's the amount of it uh, that uh, the Congress, uh, the lawmakers in the, uh, the US can't agree on. Sort of, is it 1.2 trillion? Is it 2 trillion? Uh, but uh, COVID-19 is spreading at an alarming rate in Europe and now the US, uh, which is really, we always said, if it really took off in the US, that's when the markets would really shudder a little bit. Not that they haven't been shuddering already, obviously. Uh, the UK emergency package, Adrian, that um, uh, Rishi uh, Sunak, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, announced on Friday was extraordinary, uh, but warranted. It's, it's, it's unusual to have both... Uh, the right wing and left wing uh, centre parties all agreeing that it's uh, very useful and helpful measures. Uh, and in contrast to the European and US governments, which seem to be dithering over what measures to uh, provide their respective economies. I guess they know that um, common sense can prevail at times where they know it's actually just good to just puddle around and just get something done, isn't it? And uh, Well, they, they've not I been know, decisive. I was moaning about the 80%. Why don't I make just 100%? Well, I don't know. Sort of splitting hairs, really, isn't it? I suppose it, it, it is splitting hairs. The fact is, companies now will not lay off people. Those that have in the hospitality and the restaurant sector, uh, I've got a friend of mine who runs a property fund and he's got a lot of U, um, central London properties in, in the West End in Soho. Uh, and a lot of those businesses have he'd been taking sort of four or five calls a day from businesses saying that they couldn't afford to pay the rent. Well, guess what? They don't need to worry about. The staff, which is 70% of their costs now, um, they're not that well paid. So two and a half grand a month, anyone's going to want that and have cover that. Cover it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Or most of it, yeah. at least, anyway. But it, but it's an extraordinary package. Not just that, the um, delay in having to pay the quarterly VAT um, payments, the uh, the uh, income tax payments now that don't have to be paid until the 31st of January. For some people who've got run businesses, that's finding cash for something like that. That's a problem. Um, you know, these are. Yeah, they can keep the lights on now, can't they? That, that's the main thing. They can keep the keep the employees uh, in there, which boosts consumer confidence and everything. Just makes everyone feel a bit yeah. better. Uh, well, if business stuff. owners, if business owners feel more confident, and then they let staff know that no, don't worry, whatever you've heard, this changes it. Uh, and if someone says, oh wow, but you're still gonna have to pay the 20%. I'm sure staff will be happy to take a 20% pay cut just to keep their jobs, uh, as yeah. long as bosses are also uh, shouldering a lot of it. And of course, bosses are because they're often owners of their businesses and uh, they now need to protect them and make sure they're there when everything recovers, really. And it is an optional thing, the 20%, isn't it? So it's not something an employer has to do, but it's kind of nice if they can, I well, guess. And, uh, well, it's certainly better than 100%, that's for sure. Yeah, government's going to cover 80% of it. Uh, yeah. And if the staff are happy to forego the other 20 percent it means i've read sort of stories about restaurant chains where they said um you know they were going to run out 
a cash literally within a week. And now they've said this sort of action, even if they, if they had to pay the 20%, they could survive for five months. Now, five months yeah, still may not be long enough, but other things could happen before then. Uh, and, and the lockdown may change and all that sort of stuff. But it's uh, it's pretty appalling. Yeah. Um, obviously, we saw in the market, you can see a, a massive uh, move off the highs from Friday. Uh, the Dow was posting some quite decent sort of gains. It was up over a thousand points at one stage. And then really turned on a on a sixpence and then closed on its lows quite a significant down move on friday in the end uh, and this is down to the, yeah. the the us stalling over their rescue package right yeah just not coming up with the goods that's exactly it and it was clear uh, early friday afternoon that progress was not being made uh, and and now you've got politicians uh, some of the senators are now caught catching covid-19 the question is from some quarters is are they going to have a functioning government to be able to make this decision uh, but it's important mm -hmm. that this gets done because indecision whilst this this pandemic is spreading uh, significantly now in the US New York Washington California all suffering uh, significant rises in um, uh, the infection rate and obviously in the in the number of mortalities so uh, it, it's so important that we get this sorted and what's this doing to um the, the currency markets i guess it's back to the way it has been with with flying into the into the dollar and um you know, uh, well, you know the yen well a lot of people have said well, why on earth is the dollar rallying and you can see this is the number of yen to the dollar uh, and of course that basically means the yen is weakening the dollar is strengthening uh, we know how far and fast uh, sterling fell against the dollar partly because uh, people are priced in um, higher rates than what they are at the moment partly because it's not a, a safe haven currency at currency at all there is sort of a view that perhaps the euro is a bit of a safe haven currency but it's not and certainly uh, the latter part of last week proved that the euro is not a safe haven currency so let me let me just explain uh, the reason why yeah. that's right because of the um, sort of the early March and sort of late Feb, it really was going through the roof, and actually everyone sort of changed their mind now, haven't they? Um, yeah, in mean, favour of the this, dollar. It's a significant move, uh, this, uh, and I, I can explain it. The reason why it's happening. So, the markets, uh, I think, basically they're eclipsing anything that happened in the Great Financial Crisis, as it has been called. So. You know, when there was a the credit crunch and the liquidity crunch, what happened in 08, 09, and has really been unwinding ever since. Uh, these demand and supply shocks wrought on us by um, COVID 19 have had a, a really devastating effect on business. Uh, as businesses, some of the businesses, certainly in hospitality, if you've got a restaurant chain, if you've got a cinema chain, if you've got a hotel, if you've got an airline, you're left with virtually no revenue. There's no way a business has enough. Um, cash on its uh, books to cover itself for having no revenue. Sure, we might have a bad month, you might have a good month, but you don't have a month where you don't have any revenue. And that's really what's happening mm. uh, to these markets. And Mervyn King, an ex-governor of the Bank of England, uh, you and I will remember uh, him, uh, Adrian, some of the others will probably not, uh, but he's termed it radical uncertainty. No one knows what's going to happen to the economy, how it might recover after the pandemic passes. And most importantly for stock markets, what are the companies worth? You know, no one has a clue. And it's still we're in the in this sort of grip of uh, panic selling. Um, but every time we get an update on COVID-19 infection rates, it creates more fear in the market, not just with 
people on the streets, uh, general public, but also with normally rational traders and large fund managers. Uh, those are fund managers that manage um, large uh, pots of money, not big overweight fund managers, of course. Um, and they've resorted to the wholesale liquidation of significant parts of their portfolios. And it's it's just extraordinary. Geared funds that use something called this risk parity, where they balance their risk by having long equities and bond markets uh, positioned in bonds to cover their risk, the structure of these funds have resulted in a rapid unwinding of s some of their leverage positions and the resulting dash for cash. So they're dumping these positions, Adrian, and they, they want cash. And the cash, mm. guess what? The cash is in dollars and they want more dollars. They're not interested in yeah. euros, sterling, Japanese yen. And, and that's the reason why the dollar is really, really rallying. And the normal rules don't apply, do they? No. I mean, we're seeing quite big moves up on, say, dollar CAD. Uh, that's obviously because Canadian dollar is going the other way. So it's like a, a, a double whammy there. Dollar Swiss, um, again, significant strength dollar there. Uh, pound against the US dollar. I mean, that was a massive move over the last few days. So what, what, why is the, the, the pound taking such a, a big whack over the last few days then, Jerry? Do, do, do you know, it's because it's not deemed to be as safe as it was when it uh, when we were in the EU. And I know a few leaders may not like to hear that, but that is the fact. Um, uh, and also sterling up until a couple of weeks ago, we had an interest rate differential of uh, we had interest rates of 75 percent, a point 0.75 percent, I should say, compared to Europe, which has a, a, yeah. an interest rate of zero. So that's so it, it was beneficial to hold sterling because you got a bit of a return on your money. As you know, we've had the cut from 75 basis points down to 25 basis points or a quarter. And then we had the emergency cut a few days ago where the Bank of England cut the rate from a quarter of a percent to 0.1 of a percent. That's all been unwound in the markets, really. So sterling has suffered a little bit more. There's nothing inherently wrong with the UK economy compared to the EU and the euro said if anything our central bank and certainly our, our government have acted a lot more quickly than other governments in the eurozone and in the eu i think the thing I that's suppose got if anything hit, would you say that um would you say that the action taken is kind of inflationary which is going to hit the value of the pound anyway okay well i i, I don't think markets are necessarily looking at that risk at this stage but uh, it's a good point is the, the, the pound because you're going to be printing printing more um yeah more pounds, but it's more not, sterling yeah, but it's not, it's not just um, the UK that are going to be involved in that. Um, the e the Eurozone and all the EU countries, they're going to be printing money. Everything's to everyone's talking about borrowing money. Who are they borrowing mm. it off? What they're doing is they're diluting the supply of money by putting, printing more and more money, which is going to, at some stage in the future years, create a significant, uh, a, a significant threat of inflation, put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that, that was quite interesting last week was the relative performance of uh, the FTSE, um, which, you know, as far as the week goes, actually all that bad, uh, well, it was a bad performance, but, you know, compared to some of the other indices, it was perhaps held a little little up. And I, I guess that's down to the pound taking a significant hit, really, because of overseas earnings, where, where they can be had. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's and, and, you know, if you... The FTSE had taken quite a hit, more of a hit than others, Adrian, as well. If you think about it, yes. precious metals have created base metals, the likes of copper, zinc, tin, aluminium, uh, precious metals, 
you know, gold, silver, platinum, palladium, all these markets have created, which dragged all our resource stocks down. Just remember that DAX doesn't have the sort of stocks that we have here in the UK. Uh, and then, uh, and, and so that's hit the miners, it's hit the oil markets when you look at what oil's done. But no, I think um, last week, uh, the market sort of stabilized more than what had been happening in uh, the US. Uh, the US, uh, the Dow was down 4,000 points last week, Adrian, which is what, sort of just over 17%, whereas the FTSE down three and a quarter percent. The DAX down 3.28%, down 300 odd points. The Nikkei only down 878 points. They're all bolstered by their weaker currencies making their markets not look so weak in dollar terms, if you know what I mean. So yeah. it, 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 it has helped them with weaker currencies because it makes the market look more attractive to overseas buyers. Um, but I think, um, uh, as I said, uh, th th there's been a significant upset in the norms with the way markets are behaving, Adrian. So, you know, if you look at, you look, look at the S&P, the chart that you've got there, now look at gold and compare that and you'll see that the market looks a little bit similar to the S&Ps. I thought gold yeah. was a safe haven. I thought sovereign bonds were a safe haven. You won't be able to get any bonds up there, but trust me, the bond market, by the... Um, well, we've got the uh, bond. We can get the bond Okay. okay. I mean, that's why is been, the bond, uh, that's why is the bond coming off? I thought everyone buys bonds in times of trouble. Well, go back to what I was saying earlier on. Fund managers have been deleveraging this risk parity setup that a lot of hedge funds have adopted, they're having to sell large quantities of bonds. They need cash and it's easier to do in the, the leverage positions they have in sovereign bonds, which has resulted in bonds coming off. Same thing in gold, gold's come off following the precious metals. Normally, in times of trouble, people buy gold, they buy bonds, not this time. Yeah. It's fascinating, uh, isn't it, really? So it's just sort of global sort of deleveraging of, uh, of everything yeah. you can, really. And I guess yeah, yeah, it is. it's actually, as far as bonds go, there's still a lot of value in there because they haven't taken the hit. So they're crystallizing good value uh, in those compared to the, the, the other instruments. You're, you're, you're right. But certainly if a fund manager needs cash, the quickest way to do it is to sell their positions in the most liquid of markets. And, and as, as we've discussed previously, bond markets and gold, very liquid. You can sell it instantaneously and you get cash back straight away. And they're putting, yep. the, if they're not in dollars, uh, they'll be put in dollars. So uh, anyone who's had a, a big significant position in buns or gilts or BTPs from Italy, uh, those bonds um, have then been swapped. That the, the, the resultant uh, cash has then been swapped back into dollars. Hence the reason why you're seeing the dollar rally significantly against all major currencies. I mean, it's interesting looking at some of these markets, just keep just keep it sort of extending and extending. I think really the advice for uh, traders has just got to be just keep calm. You know, there's there's so much sort of excitement or potential excitement for buying stuff cheap and so on. But this is where you can have a real problem if you're not careful, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who'd uh, been looking at the markets over the last six months would never have thought in their wildest dreams that markets would have done even half of what they've done over the last month. The moves have been extraordinary. I mean, have a look at oil, Adrian. Have, put, put up UK oil. Oil has been spectacular in its collapse. Spectacular. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about $70 now trading closer. It, it, it's remarkable just how much uh, an in.
instrument important for a global economy how much it does actually move it's uh, it's actually quite frightening if really when you put it into perspective yeah i mean it, it i mean it, look, 25 dollars down there yeah but it's only you know, put 125 dollars um yeah well well uh, i think the spectacular move is it was above 70 dollars in uh, january at the beginning of january just uh, when the iran us spat was occurring uh, but little did we know that uh, things would change significantly in the next uh, 10 weeks. And here we are, um, I don't know, last week, uh, you're looking at UK oil. UK oil fell close to $8, Adrian. That's 22% in a yeah. week. Imagining, imagine having a move like that in currencies. We almost had it in the Dow and the S&P. They were off sort of 17, 16, and the NASDAQ off 12%, but 22%. US oil, even worse, look at US oil. So U.S. oil is the uh, the, the domestic oil uh, from the United States. It's referred to as WTI or West Texas Intermediary. It's a it's a slightly lighter crude. Twenty two dollars trading there. Last week it fell nine dollars. Yeah. It fell twenty nine point six percent. Thirty percent in a week. Uh, yeah. It hasn't got any friends. Uh, we know that um, COVID-19 pandemic is really bad news for crude. This, the demand for crude is going to collapse. No one's traveling by train. No one's doing any. Uh, the diesel prices collapse. No, the, uh, the transport's just fallen out of bed. There are no bus services, hardly any train services, no um, air services apart from freight. Uh, and then you've got the price war with Saudi Arabia ramping up production and discounting prices heavily. And you've really got the perfect bearish storm and in fact it's much yeah. worse than even the worst performing stock markets um yeah but, absolutely it is yeah but 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 of course you've also got the price of oil slumping has resulted in a what i described as a cataclysmic slump in energy shares you know the likes of obviously the obvious ones bp shell uh, but then if you look at uh, all the sort of energy stocks anyone involved in electricity generation uh, um, uh, gas all those um, Distributors the likes of um, Centrica. Uh, Centrica. Um, I think. Well, yeah, I, I sort of thinking. Well, how would they be hit? But of course, they won't. They, people are still still going to use the energy, but they the actual revenue that's going to go down because the price of the underlying product has collapsed. So their margin is based is something that's half the price now. The same margin, but half the price. So their revenue is going to fall significantly. So this is affecting so many different in, uh, stocks that we have a quite a significant percentage in the London uh, FTSE 100. So uh, uh, you can see why that's uh, succumbed the way it has done. Uh, okay, so um, ag again, just to sort of reiterate, is the market just continues to go back in the same direction that it has been. We've just got to be careful, not trying to buy something just because it's cheap. Got to make sure there's good fundamental technical reasons for doing anything that we're doing at the moment. So that's the main message we want to get across to uh, to traders at the moment. Um, what about for the week ahead? I mean, we've spoken in the last few weeks that the economic calendar isn't that big a deal because it's really quite historic. But anything that we need to be uh, thinking yeah. about for the coming week, Jerry? I, I, I think, as mentioned last week, Adrian, uh, all data that's historical, i.e. not a leading indicator, it's going to have little meaning. Some of the data that's coming out this week, uh, the analysis and the collection of the data happened before the big lockdown. Uh, so I, I really think I can explain as we go through the calendar, but I think the developments in the COVID-19 pandemic is what's driving everything, obviously. Uh, that's an understa mm -hmm. understatement. Actions by central banks 
that's fine. But fiscal action by governments is what's going to grab market attention. It's those press conferences held by uh, the uh, number 10 office here in the UK with the medical advisors that everyone stops literally and we focus on that because that's what is going to affect us and our businesses. Um, it's clear that central bank intervention um, has done run its course to the extent that it is, it'll head off any liquidity crisis that may reoccur because of uh, the um, collapse in most economies. But that is not what we're facing here now. Um, there is little more the central banks can do. It's government action or fiscal action that's the key here. Adrian, mm -hmm. we spoke just before going on air here or recording this podcast about the useful analogy um, of um, in the great financial crisis, the liquidity crunch and the available supply of money was uh, the the oil in the engine. Without the oil, the engine was going to grind to a halt. And that was the, was the problem in the great financial crisis. Here, it's the engine that is in danger of just falling apart. So whatever oil you put in this crumbling engine, nothing is going to work. So mm. the key bit is that the engine, i.e. businesses, have to be supported. Yeah. Sure, we've got to make sure that oil's coming into the engine, but if the engine's falling apart, there's not much point. So I think everyone understands that you know, cutting interest rates is not going to make um, us feel better to the extent that it's not the cost of money that's preventing us from working. It's the, the fear and panic and pandemonium that this virus spreading has created. We know what we've got to do as a society. We've got to isolate and just try and smooth over out these infection rates so our National Health Service can survive. But it's government action. And that's the what I would reiterate here in, in this in this podcast, that that is what's needed to uh, sort this out. And it's other governments in the EU and the US that need to step up to the plate. So, um, okay, well, all eyes need to really be on the news wires then for any updates and changes that might particularly happen from the states, I guess, because they're the ones that are stalling things that are, at the moment. So yeah. that, that could be the thing that could stimulate some real change in market direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, when they announce it, uh, you'll, you'll see a reaction in the markets. That's always possible. Um, but uh, as I say, that you will only hear it after the event. Um, uh, you see it. There's a tight, there's a headline there about Fed official warns unemployment could hit 30%. Uh, we can go through some of the data that's coming out this week, Adrian, because it's worth highlighting those issues. Looking at um, the calendar now, we don't have anything today, but tomorrow we've got all these manufacturing and services PMI data. That's the purchasing managers index. So that's where we get a survey from the two sectors in an economy. That's the manufacturing sector and the services sector. So anything above 50 is is expanding anything below 50 is contracting and what i would say is you can see that we've got flash um, services from the french and manufacturing um, their data was collated really largely before the lockdown so a lot of that, those numbers are going to be inaccurate anyway uh, but the fact of the matter is manufacturing and services sectors have, have fallen off the edge of a cliff we know that that's not yeah i'm not dramatizing it adrian but that's really what's going on uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these forecast numbers are worse than what we're seeing here, because the data has tended to be worse than even the most bearish expectations. Well, the reason well, being... Well, let's face it, it's a bit of a finger in the air job, isn't it? I mean, it's got to be. Well, it has to be from those economists who are trying to forecast what's going on. Absolutely a finger in the air. It's a, it's a complete roll of the dice. But my suspicions are that the, the data will be worse, as I've just said. 
Um, right. Okay. So, um, anything else to add? I think we're, um, you know, we've well, probably I, pretty I, much I can, come to it. Well, we we can just just finally let let me run through Wednesday and Thursday. The the German EFO Business Climate really useful um, survey, but it's way out of date, so we're going to ignore it. Someone said to me, "Oh, what about inflation with all this um, largesse by uh, government and everything else? That will be an issue." But whilst base metals and precious metals are collapsing, and I include other commodities like oil. There's no chance of any inflation just yet. So don't worry mm. about inflation. CPI, 1 1.6, 1 1.3, 1 1.1% doesn't matter. There's nothing the government can do to affect that for now. It's likely that inflation will fall significantly and then rise in the years to come. But that's just a general comment. And then we've got the Bank of England on Friday. Wow. Well, there's not much more we can say there because we've had two emergency rates cuts before this um, central bank meeting. A possible hint at negative rates, possibly, Adrian, not sure. Yield curve manipulation, um, to put it in simple terms, the central bank may try and drive long-term yields or long-term interest rates down so that companies can borrow at better rates so they can, you know, not, uh, and it's cheaper borrowing costs that will help uh, big companies in the long term and also Adrian believe it or not there is talk of helicopter money put that one in your pipe that's uh, um, so basically money being given directly to consumers and the last one I want to end on is you you showed me that headline just then from market watch about unemployment could hit 30 percent yeah yeah well guess what weekly unemployment claims is not something we normally talk about but it comes out, guess what, every week. But it's never attracted much attention because we're only interested in the, the non-farm payroll, which happens on the first Friday of each month. But this data should bring it home to all of us as to the effects of the pandemic on the US economy and more importantly, on unemployment in the US. So we're jumping from 261,000 jobs, which is above the average anyway, to 750,000 job losses in a week. It's going to get worse there. Yeah, yeah. Well, non-farm payroll might be interesting uh, next week. Ooh. Yeah, won't it just be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Right. Um, so, uh, let, should we um, should we call it there, uh, Mr. Yeah, Miller? That's fine. Yep, yeah. Yeah. No, no problem. Great. Okay. Well, thank you, uh, Jerry. So that's the end of um, this week's podcast. Um, stay safe, everybody. Let's tune in next week and uh, make sure you keep that wrist tight. You know, there's huge movement in the market. It does create opportunity, absolutely. But there is a big sort of uh, a lot of people attracted to sort of wading in, buying something just because it's cheap. You look at the debt, it was pretty cheap back on the 24th of February. It was even cheaper on the 27th of February, even cheaper on the 9th of March. It's even cheaper on the 12th of March. Goodness knows, will today be cheap or will it be expensive? We'll find out over the next couple of weeks or so, but just make sure you, uh, you keep your risk um, managed uh, appropriately. All right, everybody, stay safe and we'll catch you next time. Bye for now.